Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of Please Bear With Me with your host, Travis Corley. We've got a short week this week, and I am super excited about that because, man, it was very sad not to watch the Bears play on Saturday. But a nice little bye week, hopefully get us back on track. Heading up to Morgantown on a Thursday night. Weird things can happen in Morgantown. Weird things can happen on a Thursday night. And now we've got both of them coming up this week. Brian Horn, Bears Illustrated recruiting analyst, is joining me this week. Got to break down the recruiting classes and also a little bit of the West Virginia game. Please bear with me. Welcome in again to Please Bear With Me. We've got a recruiting update. Yes, our yearly recruiting update is coming up shortly. The Bears rolling right along off of that Big 12 championship with a good recruiting class. Highlighted by Austin Novosad. We're going to get into that with Brian Horn from Bears Illustrated Recruiting Analyst. But first, some news from the NFL. Yes, we are talking news from the NFL. Unfortunately, Coach Matt Rule has been relieved of his duties with the Carolina Panthers. I don't think this is a surprise to anyone. I think a lot of people saw this coming. But I'm not here to talk about why or why not he shouldn't have been fired. I am just here to say that, you know, Coach Rule, what he did for Baylor... He's always going to be a Baylor Bear. He's always going to have, you know, a special place in in the hearts of uh, of mine, but also should should be in the hearts of of many Baylor fans. He came here at a time when, you know, no one else really wanted to. Turned around our program in a very short amount of time, in a time that a lot of people thought wouldn't happen, and we are here now today because of what Coach Matt Rule did at Baylor. So, just wanted to kick off this episode by saying thank you to Matt Rule and and hoping him the best. There's a lot of good jobs open at the moment. We've got Wisconsin and Nebraska, probably probably going to be the the top two teams in the uh, in the Matt Rule lottery, if you will. So, I think it's it's a hundred percent certainty that Matt Rule is going to end up back at the college ranks, and as well he should, because he's done an excellent job turning around two programs in Temple and in Baylor. So yeah, he, he is going to be a hot commodity for every Division I NCAA football team out there. Yeah, commodity number one, for sure. So yeah, unfortunate that uh, it didn't work out for him there at Carolina and the NFL. I know that, that was his ultimate goal, but hey, Sometimes it just doesn't work out, and it didn't this time. But hey, he, he he's got a lot uh, ahead of him, and I think he's going to get one of these really good jobs, and I think he's going to do a great job. So, 
yeah, just wanted to touch on that to to start the uh, the podcast here. And now rolling into a little recruiting update. Look at the class coming up next year, and uh, you know, let's talk about some future Baylor Bears. Brian Horn, Bears Illustrated, is joining me. Help me give a warm welcome to Brian Horn, recruiting analyst for Bears Illustrated. Brian, excited to have you on today. Welcome to Please Bear With Me. What's going on, man? I'm excited to be here. Good. We are we are excited as well. I know I I know every year I try to give like a recruiting update, and I think like mid-year um is a great time to do it. So excited to get into some recruiting with you, uh, see what we got coming up next year and kind of who we're targeting moving forward. But where I want to start is just kind of your overall feeling of the recruiting strategy of Baylor University, because I feel like we have a little bit different of a strategy than, you know, your blue bloods, if you will of like, hey, we're just going to go after all these five-star recruits. And I feel like Baylor is a little bit more strategic in that we're able to find some diamonds in the rough and get in on some guys early before they really skyrocket um, in the recruiting ranking. So what is kind of your overall um, analysis of the strategy kind of for Baylor and their recruiting? I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head right there. Um it's, it is a lot of we're going to go out and we're going to scour film and we're going to look for these guys that are popping on film and go in there and get on them real early because I mean, Baylor will hit every now and then with guys um, that are kind of national recruits. I mean, you look at just this class right now, we got Austin Navasad. Um, he, he blew up big time in the offseason. And I mean, that was a battle to, to keep him locked in with Baylor. So it's, it's not to say Baylor won't go out there and compete and get some of the big time rated guys, but their, their wheelhouse that they kind of sit in for rating numbers, at least it's from like 86 to 90 is where they kind of sit at for most of the guys that they go after. And then of course they'll get guys that really pop Um, for instance, Richard Reese is a big one for this year. Um, I don't even remember where he was last year um, on it. He was an 87. I got it pulled wow. up right here. So wow. he was an 87. It's right where you want to see him. And I mean, he's flown off the charts for this year. But as far as like style of play goes, um, I mean, with um, with O-line, uh, coach always talks about grit in his tweets all the time yeah so he wants those bullies up there on the o-line people are going to uh dominate and just control the game um and as far as backs go especially um the last few years of recruiting um and the main ones with tay mcwilliams and then of course jordan jenkins they want those one cut backs where you make one move and just go um so that's that's the main thing on that um and then, of course, the uh, versatile D-line is a big thing right now. 
um, being able to move guys around, play multiple positions, and just really confuse uh, the opposing O-line and get through there and make some plays. Um, and then it really comes together um, at the end of it all with athletic and knowledgeable linebackers and DBs. Um, we got spoiled big time for a long time with the, <laughs> with the likes of JT Woods and Terrell Bernard, um, things like or guys like that. Um, so anybody that fits those kind of molds and has like top tier speed, um, it's just guys that Baylor wants to go out there and get. Um, here lately, though, I have noticed they have been at least for the twenty four and twenty five class they have been reaching out a bit more to national guys pretty early right mm. now. Um, that's not to say that they aren't still going to go after and target a bunch of the Texas guys and kind of stay home with the recruiting. Right. But, but the way I see it is they're kind of just, you know, throw your hook out there, see if you can get a bite. Um, and we're going to, we're still going to focus at home. Um, but if we can get these guys attention, you know, definitely doesn't hurt to try and that's what i'm seeing a lot of right now from the recent offers that have gone out do you think that is because of the success of the team last year where we're saying hey we've kind of got some national recognition now uh coach aranda is getting a ton of recognition i mean he's included in every single head coaching job search out there you always see his name come up is that a big reason why they're kind of going for these more um you know national names and and like you said just kind of throwing the throwing the bobber out there and seeing what seeing what bites oh yeah definitely um i think when you have a season like we have last year um and have a record amount of wins um for the school and then you have a coach like uh, Dave Aranda, where you get his name mentioned constantly. And then, of course, you have, I mean, it's not even just Coach Aranda. You have um, yeah. Mateos was linked to Georgia last yeah. year. So that's a huge pull for offensive line recruits right there. He chose to stay at Baylor uh, instead of going to someplace like Georgia. Um, Grimes has been rumored to have head coaching jobs and everything like that. Um, Coach Roberts has all of these uh, previous things that are on YouTube about when he was a head coach and his defensive schemes and just how much of a, a genius he is over there um, on those things. But, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going Baylor's way right now mm. that can really pull a lot of those recruits in. And another successful season this year um, would – just be a knockout punch when it comes to recruiting, I think. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think just the the success of the team last year, I think partnered with just having such a solid staff, both on offensive and the defensive side of the ball, is really getting things going. And you mentioned Eric Mateos being uh, linked to the, to the Georgia uh, offensive line coaching position uh, last year. And I, I was scrolling through here through our, our uh, commits this year. I think we have an offensive lineman from Georgia committed. I believe so. Sean yeah. Tompkins. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, Hey, that, that, that's, that's a huge win there um, being able to go into Georgia and, and, and getting a recruit like that. But at the top of this recruiting class coming in next year, it's a name that if you if you followed Baylor closely at all through through, um, you know, the offseason and even into the season, it's it's Austin Novosad, the quarterback 
from Dripping Springs um, at the top of this class. I think he's a 94 rated recruit now on 247 Sports. What does that say about Baylor to be able to win out versus, I believe it was, was it Notre Dame and Texas A&M that he was kind of, um, may have switched focus to there for a little bit? Yeah, Notre Dame came in pretty late on him. Um, the two big schools that were drawing a lot of attention were Ohio State and Texas A&M. Um, so, I mean, even if you do include Notre Dame in that, that's three massive schools Huge. that Baylor beat out for a quarterback commit. And, I mean, Austin, this was a guy that as soon as last year's uh, signing class ended in uh, December, I think it was a day later, he committed and yeah. he was ready to go. As soon as he <laughs> saw that um, we weren't taking a quarterback, he was like, all right, I'm in. Mm. And then, you know, of course, a bunch of the big dogs come calling. I'm not going to fault the guy for going to see what's out no. there, especially when you got those big name schools calling you on there. But I do the same thing. Oh, absolutely. And then credit to Baylor to keeping him committed. Like he goes and he visits all those places, um, grew up being an Aggie fan, and you keep him away from Aggie. Crazy. Uh, so it's just incredible. I can't think of a bigger recruiting win um, for Baylor when it comes to talking about Austin. Um, there's really not another one that I can uh, – I did a list not too long ago of – some of the uh, recruiting wins, but I'm pretty sure that Austin was the highest in my opinion on that. Yeah. I, I'm thinking back to now, I, I think when he, when he had like solidified his commitment before the season started, the other highest rated quarterback that Baylor had gotten was Jarrett Stidham. And yeah. I don't even remember if like there was this kind of like, you know, back and forth with, with Stidham where we had to kind of go out and compete with some other guys um, to get him. I, I, I don't remember that you, you may, but like, yeah, I, I think from your point of like, this is the biggest like win to go out there and beat out in Ohio state. Who's <laughs> just pumping out quarterbacks and A&M, like you said, where he's been a, an Aggie fan growing up and, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll forgive him for that for sure. <laughs> but like, yeah, that, that's a huge win. Um, who else from this, this class that's coming in that that's committed now, like who, who would you say is that second biggest win out of this group? Uh, that second biggest win or the number two in the class to me is going to be Tayshawn Wilson. Um, I think that he just, what he does and what he can bring to the table, um, not just on the defensive side of the ball, but in special teams. I think he can be an absolutely elite return man, um, which can be game-changing, mm. obviously. Um, but what he does on defense, he has really good intelligence out there. Um, there's, there's a play on his film recently where he does his zone so well uh, and just – what's the word I'm looking for? Masked it kind of. Yeah. 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 And he, he baits the quarterback perfectly into throwing <laughs> interception. And of course, I mean, talking about baiting, we saw what happened um, 
a couple of weeks ago with a zone um, towards the end of the game in Oklahoma State. But, I mean, he did the exact same thing. So we're going to be bringing mm. somebody of that caliber in into the secondary. And I think he's potentially one that could possibly have an early impact. Um, so that would be really good to see. Uh, there's, there's just a lot that I like about this class that – I mean, the top probably, I would say, two through six, something like that. It's all bam, 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 just real close to each other on yeah. on how good everybody is. Yeah, and, and, Tayshawn, Wil- and Tayshawn Wilson there is a, is a cornerback listed uh, there on 247 Sports. Um, is there a diamond in the rough in this class. We, we talked about that Baylor being able to just find that hidden guy and turn him into a, a, a big time player. Who would you say is kind of that most underrated commit of this, uh, of this class? Oh man, there's, there's a guy. If, if anybody that's listening has been following any of the videos that I've been doing on the weekly updates, um, there's a guy that I am super high on this year just because of how much he has improved and become a dominant force for his team. And that's Hawkins Polly. Um, he's pretty low on our particular board. Um, in fact, he's towards the bottom 86 overall. Um, and I mean, that dude has absolutely <laughs> turned it on this year. I, I don't know what he did over the off season, but whatever it was, he has become a force for that team and made some incredible catches. Hawkins Polly, 6'4", 245 from Stratford in Houston, Texas. Um, yeah. Hey, the tight end position is something that Baylor's never really been able to take advantage of um, before Grimes came here. And now Ben Sims is – our best pass catcher, honestly, our best ca- pass catcher, our most proven pass catcher, Drake Dabney has come on very strong. And so for you to be excited about a tight end in this class really excites me. I think that is, if you can get a good tight end, a game-changing tight end, I mean, I think that that takes your your offense to a completely different level. And now we've got, let me see here, we've got 25 commits. That is, that's considered a big class, right? Yeah, that's just about full. Okay. And is there any room to add anyone else? Is there anyone else we're targeting here for this class? Well, there's, I was thinking over this a little bit more, and I think there's a, a spot for maybe one or two more guys um, okay. on there. And I think there's about three different routes that they can go right now. Um, I know they have some offers that are out there right now. Um, I'm not sure exactly where they sit on uh, Baylor's board right now, but the Louisiana, there's a couple Louisiana recruits okay. um, that uh, are listed as warm on 247. Um, again, I don't know where they actually sit on Baylor's board, but um, they could go that way. Actually, there's four different ways they can go, but that's one of them. Um, but the big one right now is I think with the success off of last year, and having a pretty good season so far, minus a couple of hiccups, um, but should be able to recover from that, no problem. I really think that they need to go out and start trying to poach some of the other commits from other teams right now. Mm. Um, so 
though some of those um would be Jaquez Petaway. Um he's I think that one might be unlikely, um, but he already holds a Baylor offer. He's a wide receiver. He's 57 overall on an OU commit. Um, that's gonna be a theme right now. Uh Ooh, Kate, yeah. Kaden Green, <laughs> uh, another OU commit. Um, I think that one's also unlikely, but with kind of some rumors um that calvin clements uh was looking at kansas a little bit um that i mean he could potentially be an offer to go out there and get him um i still think we hold on to calvin though um there's also eric mccarty he's again another ou commit but he's right there in baylor's wheelhouse he's an 87 he's an athlete um can play both sides of the ball so wherever Baylor needs them to go um and last one for OU um, would be uh Colton Vasek that one would be a little bit difficult I think um but mostly because Baylor didn't even make his top five but I think if you go out there you beat OU you yep. beat Texas Tech, who also was in his top five. Yeah, maybe, maybe you start looking like, hmm, maybe, maybe Baylor might be one of the places to check out again, and you get them to come in on a visit or something like that. Um, other guys that are holding offers though um, would be Carson Deed and Caleb James, um, that are both committed to Arkansas. Uh, Ashton Porter, Baylor was real close with him, I believe, um, committed to Northwestern right now. And then um, last one would be Micah Bell. He's committed to uh, Notre Dame, but there was some really good push there for Baylor for, I'd say, a, um, a decent amount of time. So, mm-hmm. all, you know, all those guys you could look at to potentially getting back in with, and as long as you're having a good year and having a better year than the rest of those guys. especially the OU guys when a lot of them are from Texas or OU or Oklahoma. I mean, they, it's just really good to look at right there. Uh, You know, interesting that uh, you listed so many OU commits, huh? I wonder why. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't imagine why that's happening. Um, But yeah, that's, that's kind of wild to me that you, that you said we could maybe add one or two more to this class. Um, I don't even know. Do you know how many, seniors will be graduating from from the team this year is is that the reason why off the top of my head i don't um, don't either i did reach out a little bit before this um to to get a confirmation on numbers and the the ones that i consistently got back were saying uh possibly one to two more wow um which with with it being like that i personally would like to see them take another wide receiver to help out micah gifford and give Austin another weapon. Um, there's a couple of them that I have on my personal list um, that for my own recruiting um, that I do. Mm-hmm. And that would be Kelby Valson um, out of Bowie. He's a Texas Tech commit right now. But man, I love what that kid is doing um, out there. And I think, again, if Tech kind of struggles, now they're already doing better than what a lot of people thought for they sure. were going to do. Um, Be included. Hats off to, yeah, hats off to Joey there um, for what he's doing. But if you go in there and you beat Tech and they continue to struggle, I think he's one that definitely deserves an offer. And then Titus Evans out of Mansville Timberview, um, I think he definitely deserves a look to to potentially get an offer. 
Yeah, because I'm I'm looking through here and I think there's one wide receiver in yeah, this we class. Have one, we crazy. have one wide receiver commit, um, which early on I had heard that this is it. That's we're just going to take the one wide receiver. Yeah. And like, okay, that's fine. We have a bunch of young wide receivers. Um, so not, not exactly a horrible deal, but I, I'm a type of guy that I like all the, all the weapons that you can get. <laughs> so if, if we could get another wide receiver, um, thrown in there, I'd be super happy with that. Um, Another thing would be um, you don't take anybody else in this class and you just hit up the transfer portal yeah. and grab w- the areas that you're needing, whether it be a veteran wide receiver, or veteran DB. Um, we're going to lose a lot of guys on the O-line or D- and D-line this year. And yes, we are. could use a lot of veteran uh, or another veteran um, that could come in and fill that gap. So there, there's a lot of different ways that Baylor can go with right now. It just really depends on what they're seeing with guys that are behind the starters right now. And if they think they're going to take a step up um, next year, or if they're saying, no, we're going to need somebody to come in and get some help on it. Yeah, that's that's interesting because there, there are a lot of guys, I feel like, moving on, especially from that defensive line and the offensive line. And – Hey, we went out in the transfer portal and got uh, two of our starting offensive linemen um, that are (laughs) incredible. So, like, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we do. I I am excited about some of the younger offensive linemen that we've already got um, in the building. Um, Tate Williams, to name one. Oh, man. I was about to say his name. I can't (laughs) wait to see him. Yeah, I uh, with I was kind of hoping to see him a little bit more this year. Um, Gavin Byers was struggling a little bit there to begin the year, but he's really yeah. turned around his season the past couple of games. He's really been playing really, really good. Yeah. Um, so was interested to see if maybe like Tate would get the opportunity there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a name that I've had on on the top of my brain of like, man, I just I can't wait for this guy's body to fill out, you know, in the, into the college body and and get him out there. Yeah, absolutely. He was either number one or number two on my list um, for his class whenever he was coming in. Um, I think he was number one, actually, the more that I think about it. Um, He was just the things that he was doing. I understand uh, Wall's a bit of a smaller school in terms of uh, different things and kind of out in the boonies. Um, But when you when you get guys out there he does exactly what he needs to do and it's dominate everybody that's across <laughs> from you all the time and when i was watching his film uh when it was his recruiting class man he made other offensive lines boring to watch because <laughs> he just dominated so much it was hard to get excited about other guys and i mean hats off to um recruiting staff and everything to to find him um james and uh, nance i know they're at tech now yeah but i mean that was an incredible find yeah i mean i'm excited to see him on the field likely going to be next year because man we we are really going to have to reload on that defensive and offensive line and hey i i know i didn't put it on the show notes here but we've got uh, just looking at it here we've got one commit 
of that 2024 class, Jaden Porter. We mentioned wide receivers. He's listed as an athlete here. How much do you know about Jaden Porter? Would he be a potential wide receiver fit for us? I think he should be a wide receiver. Um, I don't see him going to the defensive side. And I've watched Lorena a few times um, this year. Uh, so he's he's done pretty good. Um, I think he'll do a lot better when he gets into district play um, and kind of pad those stats a little bit more. Um, will he be... It's, it's hard to say with him still having a whole nother year right. uh, to do. So I don't know if he would come in and make an immediate impact on there. I mean, he could still even grow and get taller than what he is. He's listed at six foot 182 right now. But I mean, he's been uh, a hometown kind of guy. He's been all about Baylor um, when whenever he committed and he still is. So he's one that I am very excited about. Um, I'm, I'm ready to get an, another yeah. 24 commit on yeah. the board. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's, that's a great start to have right there. Yeah. I mean, coming from our own backyard here, Lorena, Texas, that's that's where I live. I'm, I'm in Lorena, Texas. He's rated at a, at a 90 right now, four-star recruit. So um, a very good start to this next, next uh, recruiting class. And hey, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot again because um, there is a Baylor, oh, I don't know the word for it. There is a legacy. D, yes. That's, that's the word. I think, you know, exactly where I'm going with this DJ Lagway. Ooh. What just, what is your overall feelings about Baylor's chances with DJ and did signing Austin Novosad hurt those chances at all? Cause he is a 24 class right or is he 25 no he is 24 okay. um and man because he's he's gonna have I, his pick of wherever he wants to go like yeah right he, he can pretty much go anywhere <laughs> that he wants to um and he's got some absolutely massive offers there um yeah i think the big one that ba if baylor makes it further i know he just put out a list not too long ago i can't remember if it was a top 10 or a top five um but baylor was in that list um and i it's it's really hard to say i think baylor will probably get down to like a top three with yeah. him i just don't know <laughs> how much baylor needs to put in to uh into his recruitment because personally i don't have a lot of a lot of hope that baylor lands somebody that high of <laughs> uh a recruit and that's yeah. not it's nothing to fault against baylor no for sure it's just i know that there's a lot of other stuff that's working against baylor right now i know baylor's trying to build up the nil and other things like that but the guys that are recruiting him hard are selling NIL big time for oh, yeah. him. So that's one of the, and I know that's supposed to be one of his big, um, big factors as far as where he goes as well. So Baylor's a little bit behind the eight ball on that. But as you were saying, signing Navasad, it's, it's not the end of the world at all. Yeah. Um, I'm the type of guy where, 
when it comes to recruiting quarterbacks, it's a, it's a little bit of an ex- obscure way to do it. But I always think you take a big star, as, as good a guy as you can get one year, and then you get another guy the next year that's going to be, you know, he's suitable if something should happen. He's going to be a four-year guy no matter what. He's going to be a de- developmental guy um, and somebody that can really um, just go out there and uh, build up. And if something happens, you know, he's there, he's ready to go. Yep. And then um, by the time he's a senior, he'll have uh, other experience. Um, and potentially two years to play, depending if the other guy leaves as a junior. Um, but you alternate things like that. And I think that that's a good way to build on that. Uh, of course, I said that about drones and <laughs> then the next year, and that's not faulting Jones. I'm not trying to, I don't want it to sound like that at all. I know it kind of came out like that, um, but it's not, but you take drones, who's a highly rated guy. And then next year you're looking at um, Piron uh and ends up not working out for Baylor's favor and that's where my plan kind of backfires a little bit um (laughs) (laughs) but with the transfer portal you know you have that second chance to go in there and potentially get somebody but sure that's my way of viewing it um I think to to wrap up that question though I think Austin kind of pushed that away a, a little bit and that they may look a little bit lower somebody like trey owens um his name has been buzzing around quite a bit um and he wouldn't be a bad one to get at all um mabry from the woodlands wouldn't be too bad either um and then marcos davia um i don't know if we pull him out of midland away from texas tech mm-hmm. um he's not committed there but that's where i have a feeling that he's gonna go um the, the all three of those guys that have offers right now would be solid to fill that role that I was talking about. And I'd have more than enough confidence to put them in there if something was to happen or if they even beat out Austin. So, yeah, I, I, that, that makes total sense. Um, we, we can call a spade a spade. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of other schools that have better NIL opportunities than Baylor, uh, you know, and, and not to say that Baylor's not competitive in that space, but like, there's just some money getting thrown around that just Baylor can't compete with. So yeah, I think um, it was a little bit slow of a start for them, but they're starting yeah. to work on it. They're they're getting it um, getting it rolling, and I think they're understanding now that you build this up right, and it's it's just raring and ready to go and help you out in the long run. So, yeah, and, and uh, one thing I saw uh, nil deal uh, a couple of days ago, Richard Reese signed one with with Reese's. Oh yeah. And so that, that was pretty cool to, to see that come out for him. And man, R- Richard Reese has been, been a bright spot on, on this team. Um, he's kind of stepped up and man, he is, uh, did not expect that out of Reese year one. He, he still got some, some stuff to learn there. Um, you know, n- n- namely learning to turn it upfield when he needs to, um, fourth and two against Oklahoma state. Not going to bring yeah, that back. Yeah. I just brought it back up and I, 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 uh, we're, we're past that. We're past that, but yeah, no, R- yeah. Richard Reese has been fantastic this year. I love every time he touches the ball. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, what's he going to do? Cause, cause he's one of those guys that that can break it um, at any moment. 
Um, Brian, any before we do kind of a quick West Virginia overview, anyone else that you kind of want to talk about here from from this class coming up? Or do we do we kind of cover it all? We kind of covered it all. I'm excited cool. about Micah Gifford um, coming in. He's making some really good plays um, so far from the film that I've been watching. DK Calu is pretty exciting to watch. I think Baylor's tight end class right now between uh, Klopp and Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's elite. Out of all the tight end classes that Baylor's brought in. And really, you can only go back to when Rule got here. So not that many, but um, there's a lot of really good guys right now. And um, the thing that I'm curious about the most is they've got four DBs in this class. And I really want to see where they move everybody around yeah. um, and who goes where. And if anybody jumps out to make an um, early impression on anything whenever they get on campus and if somebody can go out there and kind of push the other guys ahead of them or even go out there yeah. kind of like what snacks has done this year hey, yeah. and um take a spot go out there and just absolutely dominate and get um get out there and make some plays yeah but, hey sounds like sounds like Tayshawn wilson is on your list to to be a guy that can maybe do that so we'll definitely have to watch for that in the coming in the coming season, and uh, hey, I- I'm excited about this class too. I think we're we're third in the Big Twelve right now. Um, I don't know how much that actually means, but uh, but hey, we're uh, I-, I think we got this thing rocking and rolling, and and I'm excited for this next class to shake out, especially if Baylor's able to get up there and get you know nine or ten wins again. Um, all right, let- let's talk a little West Virginia here. We got we got a couple minutes left here. Um, you know, historically for Baylor, going up to uh, to Morgantown has always been weird, always been c- kind of an, an Achilles heel for us. And uh, now we're doing it on a Thursday night. So e- even more weirdness happening. And, you know, I know West Virginia is kind of there at, at the bottom of the Big 12. And most people think they're, they're going to end up at the bottom. But this isn't a, you know, Kansas of recent years where it's just like, yeah, easy check mark, easy win. Like we everyone should blow this team out like. No, this this is a team that has some serious talent, and if they put it, they can put it together any given Saturday, uh, and in this case Thursday, and, and go out and, and beat anyone in this Big Twelve. I, I truly believe that. Um, and they're they're fifth in scoring offense, they're fourth in yards per game in the Big Twelve, so like they can move the ball, um, and ninth in scoring defense, but third in yards per game. So like they're not bad by any stretch. I just think they're they're very average and. Like I said, they, they can go out and beat anybody. But what would you say, just kind of like your overall feeling about that West Virginia team and and where where do their strengths lie, would you say? Um, I think their their strength, uh, especially on offense, is their wide receivers. And then, of course, JT Daniels slinging it. Um, he's a heck of a quarterback. And re- I don't think there's anybody bad in this year's Big 12. No. Um Everybody is okay or better. Uh, And that's something that you haven't really been able to say for a while, um, mostly because you'd have one or two teams kind of um, holding the conference back a little bit. But everybody this year is is really uh, pretty good. Um, But the, the main thing that worries me is it's Morgantown on a Thursday night. That's, that's the one thing that, that worries me the most. Yes. Um, It's not so much things that West Virginia can do. It's just the weirdness of Morgantown and they get hype for Thursday night games for some reason. So So, um, 
you know, Baylor's about 50-50 when it comes uh, this year on handling road games. They did not handle <laughs> yeah. the BYU game well, um, but they handled Ames well. And I think y'all talked about that last week um, on the on the show. So can they go into Morgantown? It's probably going to be a very hostile environment. Handle the adversity there and come out with a win. Um, that's, that's the main thing that I want to see is handle the environment. Um, cause I think that's going to be the biggest issue. Like I said, um, the only other thing is going to be taking care of their deep ball. I know they're going to come mm-hmm. out and sling it. I'm not too worried about their running backs. I think we can handle their running backs, um, very well. Um, it's mostly just how are they going to be with the deep ball? That's the one thing um that kind of worries me a little bit and then of course um that five or six yard out that Baylor just likes to leave open from time to time um so those are the really the only things but I think Baylor goes in there gets a win on it and you know continues to build some momentum yeah, I think I think we're on the same page there. I think the, the key matchup to watch here is Baylor's defensive backs versus a, a good West Virginia receiving core. Um, and, and JT Daniels, like you said, he can sling it. He can get, get the ball where it needs to go. And, you know, I'm right there with you. How does West Virginia win this game with big plays in the air? Uh, C.J. Donaldson, their leading rusher this year, was a tight end who turned running back. He's out this weekend. I'm not worried about our rush defense. Wouldn't be worried about it even if he was still playing. Um, But, yeah, I I think that's how West Virginia wins this game is beating us with the deep ball. I don't think they will. And, yeah, I I think the Bears pull out out a win there in Morgantown. Yep. Uh, Brian, we're running out of time because I have the free version of Zoom. But thank you for joining me. Uh, If you are not following Brian, on Twitter, you should at bhorn8956 and then also his recruiting page at Horn Recruiting. Brian, thank you so much and Sikkim Bears. Awesome, Sikkim Bears, guys. Bear Necessities this Thursday against the Mountaineers. First, limit big plays. I think if there's one way that West Virginia will win this game, it is through the air and it is through explosive plays. Bryce Ford Wheaton is one of the better wide receivers in the Big 12. Sam James and Caden Prather can get it done as well. Look, JT Daniels was was right there, potentially being the starting quarterback for the national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. And this guy really has a nice arm. And look, he can beat us through the air. So if we're not ready to play and we give up some big plays, I can see West Virginia being in this game and even winning. On offense, the offensive line has to attack from the very start we've got to go after these guys and control this game from the very first snap we have to play with energy for four quarters 
That was my biggest disappointment with Oklahoma State was not coming out with energy and ready to play. We've got to play with a sense of urgency and that offensive line has got to attack from the very start. Game prediction. Yes, what is your game prediction? I will tell you right now. Look, I, I think there is a world where West Virginia comes out firing on all cylinders on a weird Thursday night that Baylor has never played well in Morgantown, and these guys are just throwing it all over the place, having explosive plays. We're not ready to play defensively, you know, and West Virginia wins. There, there is a world in which that happens, but it is not in this world on Thursday. The Baylor Bears are going to come out ready to play, hungry, attacking from the very first snap, and we are going to control this game. I see Baylor winning 34-17. to I think the offense continues building on what it's, what it's been building on. I think the offense has been playing pretty good, pretty good. I think we get into the 30s, and then, look, I'm expecting West Virginia to, to make a few plays on offense just because they're at home. Um, and look, we, we still have some, some issues with our defensive backfield, um, on the defensive side of the ball. So look, I I think they break through and score some points, but I don't think they get above 20. So that's why I'm going with 34, 17 with the Baylor bears win. Big 12 picks for the week. I didn't make any last week on the podcast, uh, but the week before was a terrible week for me. I went one and four, and then last week I uh, I tweeted out my uh, my guesses, and I went two, one, and one. I had Kansas plus seven and a half points, which they lost by seven, 38 to 31 TCU, and I also got... <clears throat> Oklahoma State minus nine points. They won by 10, 41-31 versus Texas Tech. Where I was wrong, I had OU minus eight and a half points. And my goodness, I'm embarrassed that I picked OU. Um, But hey, they can share in my embarrassment of getting shut out against Texas. 49-0, ouch. And then number 20, Kansas State at Iowa State. I had Kansas State minus one point and they won 10-9. So a push there. And my record right now, I'm sitting like perfectly at 500. I am 14 wins, 14 losses, and two pushes, two ties. So four games on the slate this weekend slash Thursday. Baylor visiting the Mountaineers, as we all well know. Baylor minus three and a half points, and I've got Baylor because I picked them 34-17. Number 19, Kansas at OU. Really hated to see Jalen Daniels, the Kansas quarterback, go down. Um, but hey, their, their backup came in and was throwing dimes all over the place. So OU is favored in this game somehow, probably because they're they're named OU and playing at home. But OU minus 7.5 points, and I've got Kansas. Man, Kansas is going to win this game, so give me Kansas plus points. Iowa State visits UT, and UT is favored by 16.5 points. Look, I don't think OU is very good. They also didn't have their starting quarterback, so 
I'm not really reading anything into uh, Texas against OU, nor am I reading anything into Texas versus West Virginia because I don't think West Virginia is uh, super good either. So uh, 16 and a half points is a lot of points to give Iowa State. Um, so yeah, I, I think they, uh, I think they're within 16 and a half points. Give me Iowa State. Finally, the uh, biggest matchup of the weekend. Number eight, Oklahoma State goes to number 13, TCU in Fort Worth. TCU favored by three and a half points. And give me Oklahoma State all day with the points. Huge thanks to Brian Horn joining the podcast today and breaking down some recruiting for us. I'm excited about the next class and then very excited to see how we keep this thing rolling with the 24 class. We've already got one commit, a four-star commit from here in Lorena, Texas. So hoping to keep that momentum going and, uh, you know, hopefully the success of this season. Yes, success, because I am expecting success is going to help that recruiting train keep on rolling. We've said it many times, weird things can happen in Morgantown, especially on a Thursday night. But I don't think weird things are going to happen. I think we're going to take care of business, take care of this game, get ready to come home and play a ranked Kansas team and explosive offense. And uh, hey, see what we're all about. We're really, really, really going to find out what we're made of and uh, see if we can tip the scales on what this season can be. So hey, excited for Thursday night. It's a short week. You should be too. This is Travis Corley saying stay safe and sick em bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.